Welcome to the Rock House Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to grow closer to God and to share Him with others. If you would like to find out more about this church or how you can connect, grow, and go, then be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org. And now, today's message. I hope this video church service finds you doing well this morning and wherever you are, whether you're watching us in your living room or your kitchen or hopefully you're not watching in your car, but maybe you're listening in your car this morning, wherever you are, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us and for worshiping along with us today. Over the past several months, we've been going through the Word together through the Word in 2020, and I hope, I hope that you're still adhering to those reading plans, that you're still taking the time to spend uh, a little bit each day in God's Word, and uh, hopefully you're uh, up to date with us. Today we're going to find ourselves in the book of 2 Samuel, and uh, even though we're separated and even though a lot of things are shut down, as I've said before, it's such a great time, a great opportunity to... Just slow down, open up God's Word, do a little more listening than we're accustomed to, and talk to the Lord in prayer, and just begin to renew and revitalize that personal relationship that we have with our Maker. So all throughout the Word, there's a constant theme. There's a few themes, but there's one that's constant. There's only two chapters in the Word of God that are not affected by this particular thing, and that's the first two chapters. Uh, the first week of this year, we talked about Genesis chapter 3 and the devastating effects that sin had on God's creation. And from Genesis 3 all the way to the very end of God's Word, there are people dealing with the consequences of sin. God is dealing with the consequences of sin for us, and it just wreaks havoc all throughout God's Word. And today that's what we're talking about in the life of King David. Is sin's dangerous game. And it is so dangerous. It's devastating. It's deadly, even. And this idea of sin is found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, from the Greek and the Hebrew. And, and what the, the word does is it paints a picture of, say, missing a target. you got this target out here you're trying to hit. Or if you're a sports fan, think of it as a, a basketball. You're trying to make the basket or you're playing football. You're trying to make the field go. Or if you like to shoot like many folks in our church, you're trying to hit that target. Sin is the idea of missing that mark. You blow it to the right or the left or you simply fall short. And spiritually, that's what we're doing is we're falling short of God's glory. And so sin, as I said, affects every single person. Like we said at Easter, it is a plague that devastates and it affects and infects every life, every individual except for one, of course, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But even in this man of God, this, God that, this man that God chooses by the name of David to be the king over Israel, it even creeps into his life and begins to wreak havoc in the life of probably Israel's greatest king. And so last week we talked about David and Goliath. It was when David takes the national stage to become the celebrity giant slayer. And of course, after that, he becomes quite popular. The people begin to rally around David. 
after his defeat of the giant, after they defeat the Philistines. And remember, Saul was told by the prophet Samuel that God was kicking him off the throne. David was anointed king, but Saul wasn't so willing to give up his throne, especially to this young boy. And so Saul begins to fight against David, and David begins to increase as Saul's family and Saul's power begins to decrease. There's somewhat of a civil war, but eventually all of Israel is united and rallies around David, and he becomes a great king, a great warrior king. The nation begins to prosper under King David. They have victory after victory. And David comes to a point in his life where he literally has anything that he could ever want, definitely anything that he would need. And he he actually even has God's favor in his life. And then one day we read about this tragic story where the great king, the great man of God, falls into this, and I don't even want to use the word fall, as we'll talk about this morning. He commits this act of blatant sin with a lady named Bathsheba. And that brings us to our passage this morning. I want to look at some of 2 Samuel chapter 11, chapters 11 and 12. But let's begin at the beginning of chapter 11. The Bible says, In the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed. You picked that up, right? One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. And so David sent someone to inquire about her. And he said, Isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam? And wife of Uriah the Hethite or the Hittite. I want to stop there. And what I want you to see first thing this morning is that sin doesn't just happen. It reads like it just happened. And you talk to some folks, and I've probably said it myself when somebody asks you, how did, how did you get into this mess? And what do we say? It just happened. We just did that. I just ended up in this mess. No, it doesn't, just, it doesn't work that way. And in the life of David, first thing we realize just in these first three verses is David had made a series of choices, and he had put himself in a very vulnerable position. First of all, he was in the palace in the spring when he should have been out with his nation, with his men, on the battlefield, engaged in war. But no, he's back here in the palace. Not only that, he was in the bed in the evening. I don't know why, the Bible doesn't say why. But David was in the wrong place. He's in the palace when he shouldn't have been. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time in the evening one day. And so he had placed himself in a vulnerable position. And and also we got to realize if you look back at the life of David, this is not the first time that David had succumbed to this temptation of lust. The Bible tells us throughout uh, 1 Samuel and the early parts of 2 Samuel, David had several wives. He had taken multiple women, and God never condones this. God is very clear that we're supposed to have one uh, spouse. Marriage is between one man and one woman. But David said, I'm going to take several wives like all the other kings like Saul had done before. And so he had given in to this lust on several occasions throughout his life. Now, if we allow this desire, this lust or whatever the temptation is to grow... Eventually, that temptation will blossom into a full-blown sinful act 
just like we see here in 2 Samuel 11. I don't know about you, but I've been trying to do a little gardening over the past few weeks. And uh, last year, somebody brought me a big old ugly heirloom tomato. And they said, man, you need to save the seeds out of this thing and plant it and you'll have uh, tomatoes for 100 years. So I didn't know what I was doing, but I saved all the seeds. And uh, a couple weeks ago, me and the kids sat down for a little science project and I got them to help me plant these seeds. And, you know, poor Otta, she's putting like 10 seeds in every hole. And I thought, you know, if a couple of these silly things come up, we'll be doing good. Well, after about a few days, I think every seed we planted sprouted up. So now we're inundated with tomatoes. We've given tomatoes away. We've got, bless her heart, I've got tomatoes all over Caitlin's kitchen, just, just everywhere. And, and what happens, you know, if this little seed is watered and is cared for and it's fed, eventually it becomes a plant and eventually it becomes this old nasty thing. And that's the way sin works. We've got this little desire, this little temptation. If we begin to feed it, if we begin to nurture it, and we allow it to grow, it becomes this ugly, nasty, devastating thing, even a deadly thing in our life. James paints a picture of sin being a birth. It says, but each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by the devil. No, that's not exactly what the Bible says. Notice what James says. But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Most of our problems come deep down from within ourselves, folks. James in verse 15 says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And so for us, what we have to do is we have to fight temptation. We have to fight sin in its little infant stage at every step of the way. Everything, with everything in us, we have to engage in this spiritual battle. We have to put sin to death. Because if we don't, it'll put us to death. David goes on, and we won't read through the whole story, but he goes on to commit adultery with Bathsheba. Long story short, she gets pregnant and she tells David about this. And instead of facing his sin and just owning up to it, he says, man, I'm going to try and cover this up. And so what he tries to do is he tries to bring her husband back from the war because he figures if I bring him back, he'll go home to his wife. He'll think this child is his. Everything will be okay. The only problem is Uriah the Hethite is a loyal man. He's a great warrior. And he comes back, and instead of going home, he realizes that all these other men are slipping out under the stars. They're out in the field, and he sleeps in the, at the door of the palace with all of his, he says, his master's men. And so David says, well, this ain't going to work. We've got to do something else. And, but down in verse 12, the Bible says, Stay here today also, David said to Uriah, and tomorrow I will send you back. And so Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. And then David invited Uriah to eat and drink with him. And David got him drunk. Man, David's on a roll, isn't he? He went out in the evening to lie down on his cot with his master's servants, but he did not go home. That's bad for poor Uriah. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter he wrote, put Uriah 
at the front of the fiercest fighting. And then withdraw from him so that he is struck down and he dies. This is an old saying, but it's, it's a, so true today, is that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. What began as a desire in David's heart, maybe even years before, with lust and these other temptations, now has given way to adultery, to deceit, to lies, even to murder. But it all began with this simple desire for something he shouldn't have. This fantasy, this little bitty temptation. And when this takes place in our lives, we'd, sometimes we're, we're so caught up in it, we don't even realize it's happening. And it's just one bad decision leads to the next. And the next one's a little bit easier because we've already crossed that line. And it's easier to continue making those poor choices. It's just a slow fade till we wake up one day and we realize, Oh God, what have I done? I think the words of Casting Crown's song, A Slow Fade, captures this perfectly. They stay in the chorus. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray and thoughts invade and choices are made and a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. And that is so true. We see this fade in David's life. You've probably seen it in your own life if you're honest this morning. Colossians 3.5 tells us though, says, Therefore, put to death... What belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. We have to put to death every sinful desire, every temptation. When it comes up, when it comes from the devil or it comes right up out of our own heart and our own mind, we have to kill that thing and, and be engaged in war against this sin in our life. And God will give us a chance for repentance every step of the way. But here's what we see in David's life. Tragically, David does not repent until farther on down the road. God has to send someone. And thank God for His grace to do this. God has to send someone into David's life to speak the truth to him in love in order for him to see his sin. I, I Thank God that He still does this for us. That He sends somebody into your life to say, Hey, you're messing up here. You need to think about what you're doing. Maybe God is sending Rockhouse Baptist Church to you to be that voice of truth this morning and say, man, you need to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror. And notice what God says through the prophet Nathan. Now we're moving over into chapter 12. I want to read this long passage to you. It says, So the Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he arrived, he said to him, There were... Two men in a certain city, one rich, the other poor. He begins to tell David a story. The rich man had very large flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised her, and she grew up with him and with his children, and from his meager food she would eat, from his cup she would drink, and in his arms she would sleep. She was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. Notice David's reaction. 
David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. How right he was. Verse 6, Because he has done this thing and shown no pity, he must pay four lambs for that lamb. Nathan replied to David, and you can just see this old prophet sticking a finger right in the king's face. He said, you are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued you from Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that wasn't enough, David, I would have given you more. Why then have you despised the Lord's command by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hethite with the sword and took his wife as your own. You murdered him with the Ammonites' sword. You may not have killed him yourself, David, but you killed him using the enemy's own sword. Now, therefore, the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hethite to be your own wife. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them in broad daylight. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all Israel and in broad daylight. And here comes David's response. And I believe that this is why the Bible can say, in spite of his failures, in spite of his sin, and his many mistakes, that David was a man after God's own heart. When confronted with his sin, David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And then Nathan replied to David, and the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will die. There's always consequences for our sin. David would go on and he would experience many heartaches because of his poor choices, his poor decisions, because of his sinfulness. But even regardless of the, how horrible the things were that David did, here's the truth I want you to get this morning. Is any sin, any sin, can be forgiven. We said it would cost you more than you want to pay, and it cost David a lot. He would experience so much grief because of this. But here's the thing. David could still be forgiven. He had a repentant heart. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But when fully confronted with his sin, David repented. He not only felt sorry because he was caught, but he, 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 he realized that he had sinned against the Lord his God. And today, no matter what sin you've committed, whatever sin is in your life, that sin can be forgiven if you come to Christ in simple faith and a repentant heart because of what Christ did for you on the cross. Because of His sacrifice. I'm telling you, any sin, no matter how bad, no matter how horrible you may think it to be, 
It can be forgiven. You know, a lot of people ask, ask me the question. They talk about the worst people that we can think of. Think somebody on death row. Maybe, maybe a murderer like King David. Maybe the rapist. Maybe the child molester. Whatever the case may be. We, people ask me, preacher, can they, can they be forgiven? Can that person actually go to heaven? Yeah, I think they can. And here's why. Take that person on death row. And you imagine being there yourself. Something you've done, any sin you want to put in there. You're on death row. You're waiting for your execution. And one day, one day, the door to that block opens up and in walks Jesus. And he comes down to your cell and he takes the key and he opens up your cell there on death row. He says, come on, you're free. You get to go free. You're, you're, you're exonerated. We've commuted your sentence. And not only that, but it will never be on your record. Nobody will ever, can ever say that you did this. You are totally justified, forgiven, and free, clean and clear. You get to walk. How awesome is that? But not only does that happen, but as you begin to leave death row, Jesus steps into your cell, and He closes the door behind Him. And he locks himself in and he goes and takes your punishment upon himself for you. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your sin. And because of that, it doesn't matter what you've done. It don't matter how many times you've failed God, how many times you've turned your back on Him. It don't matter how many terrible decisions that you've made. Any sin and as many sins as you've ever committed can be forgiven because of what Jesus did. One of my favorite verses that we need to memorize is 1 John 1, 9. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? But we've got to come to Him in simple faith. We have to come to confess our sins. You don't have to tell me about all the things you did. I don't want to know. But you've got to talk to Jesus. And you've got to come to Him with a repentant heart. And when you do that, the Bible says clearly He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will forgive you. You will have peace. You don't have to carry around the guilt and the burden of your sins anymore. You can be totally free in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did. Most people believe that after David was confronted with his sin, that he wrote Psalm 51. Psalm 51, I believe, is a near-perfect example of what it means to come to the Lord with a repentant heart. Truly sorry for your sin. And you can just imagine the king when he, when he realizes his own guilt and he realizes how sinful a man he is. It, maybe he got down on his knees, maybe he's down on his face before God and here's what the king says. He says, be gracious to me, God. According to your faithful love, I don't deserve it, but you are so loving. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me against you. You alone, I have sinned and I've done this evil in your sight. You are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. 
I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. And you teach me wisdom deep within. Lord, purify me with hyssop. And I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. That can be you today. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you've crushed rejoice. When you carry that sin around, folks, it's so crushing. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. And then, now get this, then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed. God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You don't want a sacrifice or I would give it. You're not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and a humbled heart, my God. Maybe this morning you find yourself in a situation like King David. You've been confronted with your sin. We've all sinned, the Bible says, and have fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe today you need to come to the Lord in that simple faith that we talk about with a repentant heart like King David and you just need to ask Him for His forgiveness. You need to put all that sin behind you and I'm telling you, you can get up from that place. Uh, I imagine King David getting up from this prayer and just, just being so filled with joy. That can be you today. Free from your guilt and free from the, the bondage and the crushing weight of your sin. And God will give you not only a blessed life. When I say blessed, I mean like a peaceful life. The Bible says He'll give you eternal life. If that's you this morning, I just want to ask you to use the Connect card that's going to be in the, um, the comments of our, our video this morning. Send us a text. Send us a message. Call us. Call me. If you want somebody to pray with you or somebody to walk with you through this, if you need to make a decision, if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and need to be saved and, and you just need somebody to talk with about that, by all means, contact us. And if you do, make that choice. Contact us anyway because we want to celebrate with you. I want to close this out in a time of prayer and ask you wherever you are to join me this morning as we pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us Lord, to this moment where we can come together and look to your word. And God, it's stories like this that are somewhat challenging. God, they make us search our hearts, search our motives. And God, I pray that as we've gone through this story of the sin of King David and his repentance, Lord, it is brought to our mind that your spirit has revealed to us some sin in our life that we need to turn from. God, maybe there's someone here this morning that needs saved. They've been carrying the weight of all of their sin around. And today they need salvation. Lord, I pray that they'd make that choice this morning. God, I pray that you'd forgive me for the sin that's been in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for my poor choices, poor use of words, poor motives, whatever the case may be, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that when we confess our sin to you, you are just and faithful to forgive us. God, I pray that you continue to be with our church family. Help us, Lord, to stay connected, 
connected to you, connected to each other as best we can. And Lord, in due time, please bring us all back together to worship you together in person. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.